Welcome to episode 87 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Hosting a podcast, publishing a book, running a marathon. Two of these were on my bucket list. Maybe they're on yours too. While I can't help you shave minutes off your mile, I can help you make an informed decision about whether hosting a podcast or becoming an author is the right next step for your business or career. If you're ready to take on the challenge of bringing a project like this to life, but you have questions about how to get started, you want to check out the free master classes I've been hosting, like the one I did last week called Should I Write a Book? Or the one I did a few weeks ago called Should I Host a Podcast? The replay links for all of my master class sessions are available at robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass. When you sign up, you'll also receive the very detailed notes I created based on the questions submitted in advance for each session. And if you're listening to this episode the morning that it airs, you may be able to join me live for today's masterclass on book launch strategies at 12 noon Eastern. The link to that show and the replay will be available at robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass. Now onto this week's show. Today's guest is considered one of the most sought after executive leadership coaches in the world, having worked with hundreds of companies in 14 countries and six different languages. Her leadership program is designed to be a catalyst for leaders who want to enhance performance and make a meaningful difference in their own lives, their companies, and the world. She has over 30 years' experience in coaching top executives, and her leadership continues to help people break new ground and produce exceptional results. Some of her recent accolades include being designated by Inc. Magazine as a top 50 leadership and management expert and one of the top 100 greatest leadership speakers for your next conference. She's also the author of The Leadership Gap, what gets between you and your greatness, a national bestseller. Please join me in welcoming Lolly Daskal. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Lolly, thank you so much for joining me from uh, your office today in New York City. I just want to jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And well, when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Great questions. Leadership means to me is that you have to know who you are. Most people, when they come to work with me, they always ask, how can I be a great leader? When should I be a great leader? Even why should I be a great leader? But they forget to ask the most important question is who. So I think that when we think of leadership, we first have to know ourselves. That's why my company is called Lead From Within. Because when you know who you are, that's the beginning. That's the catalyst of being able to serve others. So that's what I think true leadership is about, knowing yourself, because when you know yourself, then you can help others, serve others, and really empower others. I've been asking this question now for like 100 episodes, and that's a different take. And I I really appreciate this point of view, because I think people do overlook this step. They're always thinking externally, but you are the equation, right? Like, no matter wherever you go, there you are kind of thing. So- I have a, so this is my equation. To lead outwardly, you first have to lead from within. Mm. How can you 
em- have empathy to for another if you don't know what empathy is? How can you give confidence to another when you don't have confidence yourself? I'm not a big believer in fake it till you make it. I don't believe in that. I find that we have within us our weaknesses and our strengths, and we have to use all of who we are the non-perfect self, the imperfections of who we are in order to help others. Think about it this way. It's through our strengths that we can help others and through our struggles that we can help others. So it's all of us, right? It's every part of who we are. And I think that's the foundation. And that's what my book is based on. The reason why it's become so popular, and I believe that many of the leaders around the world are reading this book is because it is, has a different take on leadership. It's not about the what, the how, the when, the where, and even the why. Those are not as important as who. First, you have to answer who. That's great. So you were just starting to say a moment ago, when you first started to realize you have these leadership abilities, did other people recognize that in you? Were you a self-starter? Did you Were you motivated to run for class presidents? Were you managing the playground? You know, like, so who were you in the beginning of all this? It's such a great question because when you ask the question, the first thing that came to my mind is I'm not a leader. And I think that we are leaders in moments. It's not that we are the leader, the expert, you know, the master. No, because life has ebb and flows. And for me, yes, I was captain of this. And yes, I ran that. And I have an affinity towards that. But I also am a great listener. I know when to follow and I know when to lead. So for me, this whole thing of when did it start? It didn't start and it hasn't ended. It's ever evolving for me. And it's more about situations than it is about that one moment in my life. So thinking of those situations, though, are other people like pushing you forward to those like opportunities or are you seeing them and saying like, this is a moment for me to step up? Like, I think I can offer something here. Again, great, great question. And the answer is yes to both. There are times in our lives where we go, I really want that. And we do everything in our power to get that. And then there are times that an opportunity comes our way. And it's happened to me many, many times where I go, oh my God, I can't do that. I'm not sure I can do that. And it's above my pay grade. I I go, I'm not smart enough or not good enough. You know, this is written in my book about the imposter syndrome. And yet I have to say, you know what? Go out and learn about it. Step up and what you don't know, you can acquire. And I've come such a long way in my life. If I can only do what I thought I could do, then I'm in trouble. So opportunities have come my way and I've stepped up and things that I recognize that I stepped into. Yeah, so that self-limiting belief can really hamper your own personal growth. And sometimes other people can see something within you that they say, no, 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 go do this thing. And you're like, I don't know. And they're like, no, I see you doing this. And then maybe you finally take that leap of faith and then you realize, wow, I can acquire these new skills. I mean, part of what I'm hearing from you is it's it's an ever-evolving, like growing and learning is like just part of it. It's never an end to it. Um, there's no goal in your life. It's just sort of like, you're, like if I'm not learning, I'm, it's like a shark. If you're not learning, you're not living. Well, I just want to correct on some one thing. I do have a goal and my goal is to be purposeful. So if purpose is my end game, my destination, opportunities or stepping into and stepping up is always a choice that I make. So I do have a bigger picture of what I want to do, but where I might end up, I want to be surprised. I don't even know, you know, whoever, I always wanted to write a book, but it took me 10 years to write the book. And so I'm open 
to learning and growing and expanding and developing. That's who I've always been. Lally, when, when people ask me how long it took me to write my book, I tell them a lifetime. <laughs> book number two will take less time, but you know, like, so what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? Oh, um, every single day I find it rewarding. I had a conversation with a client today that I know that he's been through many coaches before me and I've been with him now for 10 years. And I said, why do I have longevity with you? Why haven't you fired me? We were just talking about it. And he goes, Lolly, you're one of those people in my life that sees 10 steps ahead of wherever I am. And so you're always the one that sees things in me before I see them in myself. And that's a very wonderful thing to have in your life because we are so bogged down by our day-to-day that we sometimes forget that we do have a destination, that we want to leave a legacy, that we want to leave a mark. And he says, you're constantly reminding that I'm bigger than this moment. And it's it's very, very exciting. And I didn't even know that about myself. And so I, if I think about that, if I can offer that to my clients, and I've heard it more than once, by the way, then I know that when I wake up in the morning, I'm making a difference. Yeah, it's a real gift when a client can give you that kind of feedback because they, they, they're receiving so much from you, but when they're able to sort of say what it is that you're, you uniquely offer them, and that's always the, the self-doubt, I think, when people are stepping into a coaching role, they're like, what about me? But there's always somebody who needs to hear your message, right? That's, you're the one who can tell it to them and they'll actually hear it. But I'm sure at some point it was challenging. I mean, I, 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 won't, I didn't say in the beginning of this, like your origin story, but like you morphed into this, you've been doing this for many, many years, what were some of the bigger challenges as you kept leveling up through your career? I mean, you sort of, right, you, you, you get to a certain point, you hit a plateau, and then you sort of strive for further. Like, was it more of a continuation? Is it going backwards? Like, was it a broken road? <laughs> what, what was it like for you? And when did you realize, like, oh, I have a challenge in front of me? And then how did you overcome that? I had a challenge from day one. Number one, I'm a woman. Number two, my message was, think about it, over 30 years ago, lead from within. You know, lead from within, if you think about it, um, power and greed and authority was what the message was in leadership. So woman leading from within, they thought I was soft, um, kicked me out of one boardroom after the next. And I have to be honest, here in the United States, I was not embraced. My message was not embraced when I first started out. I had to go to Europe in order to be embraced in my message. That's where they were more, because there's some countries in Europe that their message is inclusiveness. It's always about that. And so leading from within was if something new and exciting. What does that mean? What does heart-based leadership mean? And when I was able to show them that if you follow the principles of lead from within, you know, engagement goes up, trust goes up, leadership is embraced, you know, you can reach your targets. Everything seems to work for the leader the message was really, really embraced in such a great way that I stayed there and I worked there for a long time. Then there was a shift in the United States, more conscious, you know, capitalism. And then it became very sexy to say, lead from within. But, and now there is another shift. There's a shift now for par, you know, power, authority, my way or the highway. I can fire you. I can tell you what to do. And so I've seen the ebbs and flow. Has it been an easy road? Absolutely not. Have I had to feel, did I feel like I was swimming against the current? Almost every single day of every single year of my business, there's always a new challenge, but I'm ready and I'm here and I have longevity and determination. 
Yeah, I really, it's so good that you're painting a picture of this 30 years ago place because it, there could be someone listening right now who's sort of ahead of their time with an idea or a concept that's not resonating with everyone, but resonating with a few. And it's, if that's your true piece, if that's what you're there to message, that's, if that's your calling, I might say, like, don't give up. I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but it sounds like you had to go where it was going to be most receptive in order to really create a foundation for your business. And then branch out from there. And now you know, clearly an internationally uh, well-known speaker and author, um, you're finding there are more and more people in pockets of the world that are clamoring for this kind of message because they're rejecting the old way of being a leader. They want new ways. Um, they're grateful for someone to have that sort of you know, guiding light, I guess you might call it. So I think an uh, important thing that you're saying is, is that when you start out and you believe in what you're saying, find the like-minded people. If the boards and the CEOs weren't as, you know, excited about my message or didn't understand it, that's fine. I went to find people that did like it, that did see results. And now I use those metrics to say it really works. And so if you really believe in what you do and what you have to say, that's what you have to stick by. And that's where the who comes from, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's where the leadership comes. You know who you are and what you stand for you'll know what you're willing to sacrifice for. So knowing who you are also means knowing what you're not very good at. <laughs> you know, like there's a whole world of things you have to manage in your own, your own business and you're creating your own sort of empire. Um, what are the pieces of this that you were like, this just isn't mine. Like I, you know, in the beginning you have to do everything, but at some point you have to realize there's better things for other people to focus on. There are certain things that only you can do. How did you make those distinctions and start to find the team that would really help you? Right. So there are two things that we can discuss under that topic. There are ones that are emotional weaknesses, and then there are the resources and how you run your business. So let's talk about resources. If you're running a business and you're, you, know, you are spending an enormous amount of time figuring how Zoom works, well, go get an expert who can set you up on Zoom, set up your podcast. That's not your thing. You have to ask yourself, how do I want to spend my day and what's most important for me? If you want to spend your time figuring out some kind of technical back-end thing, you can do that, but it's not spending the time on what's important. I'm a big believer also, and this is about me. You know, you said before we started, oh, look at all the books that you have behind you. I'm a very curious person. What I don't know, I want to learn. And so I think it's very good to know about everything a little bit. I'm not an expert on many things, but I'm an, I know a little bit about everything that I can talk about it. I can talk about Zoom. I can talk about Facebook. I can talk about Twitter. I can talk about social media. I can talk about leadership management. There are many things that I can talk about, but this is what's very, very important. When it comes to a weakness emotionally, because that's what I call that leadership gap in my book, when you feel that you have a weakness, most people want to hide from it. They don't want to acknowledge it. And my biggest message, again, in in the world is you have to embrace all of who you are. You can't hide from it. So you have to acknowledge, I'm not good at this. So do I want to get help or do I want to learn it? Do I want to get a new skill or do I want somebody to teach it to me? Or maybe I need to, you know, I need to become the expert. These are things that are very, very important because it has to, you have to decide how you want to spend your time. And the thing is, when you're first starting a business, you need the best support system. And if you can find people that are like-minded, that support you, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, because really, I mean, it kind of comes down to time or money, 
right? And in the beginning, you don't have a lot of money, so you put a lot of time in. But at some point, the the information that's in your head, the, the IP that you're trying to share with people, it's only yours. And I think if you get bogged down trying to create a funnel or you know set up your website or something, um, it can really detract from your ability to like actually do your piece, the, the thing that's truly yours in the world. And it sounds like you've gotten more clarity and you're able to really help people think that through as, as a leadership coach. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, you know, you were saying before we got started, like, you're busy. <laughs> I, I know this. Um, I actually, I knew a little bit about you. And then there was this moment when your book came out where you were on every show imaginable that I listened to. And you said it was 100 and... 375 oh, podcasts. 375 podcasts. That's incredible. So you're a busy person. We've established that. Um, no, but that's not my business. I <laughs> no, have to of course. Care. That's on the side of everything else, right? That's the part that I find remarkable. I mean, there's a lot of time in, in setting all that up. So how, how do you think of it? How do I ask this? Like, I, I hate this sort of work-life balance question because it's sort of a misnomer, like that there is such a thing as a balance between them. But is there a moment in your day, in your week, in a month that you know that you're not working, that you're not at work, that you're off in some way, or do you really feel it's fully integrated all the time? What a great question, because you know people always say, so what do you do about balance? So when, I, when my kids were younger, it wasn't balance, it was integration. It was more about how do I make this all work? And I have this policy of wherever I am, I am the most present. So if if I was with my kids, I was very present with my kids. If I was with my clients, I was very present with my clients. But I did tell my clients when my kids were younger, if my cell phone rings and it's my kids, I answer the phone. But doesn't mean I'm not paying attention to you, but they know they call me if it's very, very important. I wanted my kids to feel that they can reach out. And I wanted my clients to know that I believe in that, you know, in having a home life too. I'm not just a workaholic. Now, I love what I do. So I don't mind doing it 24 hours a day. If I know that someone's in crisis and I can help them, I'll take their call at any hour. You might not find that balance, but I find it gives me energy. So for me, in the very beginning when I started out, I had to learn to do that present thing wherever I am. And now that my kids are grown and you know I have a lot of free time, you know the idea that where before reading a book a day was hard, now it's at leisure, it's much nicer. And the fact is, is that when you come to a point where you feel that you have some leisure time, there's always something that you can occupy it with, right? <laughs> you can occupy it with a new project, learn a new skill. There's so much in our lives that we can do to grow. I find that very, very exciting. The idea of having time to read on a regular basis is so exciting to me, but my children are both, they're under the age of two and a half. So I'm a little ways from finding that kind of balance, but it's great to know that it's possible and it's there, but I also believe completely that I will fill any empty space with new ideas and new projects because it's con- I'm constantly doing that even now. Um, but this idea of integration really resonates with me. Uh, you know, as you've gone through your career and you've met all these people and you've been living and uh, working internationally, you know, how do you think about not just meeting new people, but how do you think about sustaining those connections? Like, are you purposeful in how you do that? Do you have systems? Do you have habits? Like, what's your approach? So my business asks me to be an extrovert, but I'm really an introvert. 
So it's very painful for me, which um, I would say out of um, seven days a week, I have to be with clients five days a week going out for dinner at night, you know, because when you work with a client, then they're like, meet me for dinner. And why don't we get together, you know, some of the board members and we'll sit together. So I'm constantly out and having to be on, but I'm a true introvert. Like if, if, if you say, Lolly, what would be the best thing that you could do? Where's a book? Where's a quiet space? Let me go back to the hotel and just read or listen to music. But the thing about it is I'm constantly on. And one of the things that I find that I do in order to keep my relationship sustainable is I have this motto, how can I serve you today? So every single person that I talk to throughout my day is I want to leave them better than when they started talking to me. So the thing is, that sustain that in itself, using that motto, makes the relationship sustainable because can you imagine every single time you talk to someone, you're helping them, you're serving them. People stay in your life for a long time. Absolutely. I mean, most people have a hard time, even with that presence that you talked about earlier, like the fact that you've developed this skill about being very, very present with whomever it is you're with. Um, this always reminds me of Bill Clinton because that was his gift was, you know, for like the 30 seconds you had with him, you were the only person in the world. And that, that is a true gift to give someone, particularly now where it feels like most people are, are not looking at you. So one of the things I'm always, you know, they look past you at the door, who else is better to talk to, who's coming in, um, scanning the room. Like the, even though they're, even though they made an effort to come over to you, they're not talking to you. So that you have this motto, I think sort of frames the way you engage with people. Um, are you, I can, I see, I have to sort of confess, I am an outgoing extrovert. I know you're very surprised by this <laughs> <laughs> with bonus points. Like I'm a huge seven on Myers-Briggs. So for me, a good time is going to a conference and hosting a dinner and hosting a lunch and hosting three one-on-ones. No, no. I'm like, I'm like, I, if I could fit it all in like scheduling wise, I'm like, yeah, do it. Cause it energizes me right No, And I completely see the horror in your face that you're like, No, like there needs to be a balance. So um, I need my downtime in order to even digest all the connections you have, all that, what you're learning, who you're meeting. So do you, do you ever do the like dinner model though, where you host a dinner when you're going somewhere or if a friend's coming in from out of town? Cause that's, we were talking about Jory Clark before we started. That's, she's an introvert as well, but that's been her method of kind of building intentional connections by hosting these or co-hosting even these dinners where she only has to invite a few people and a colleague invites someone else, Michael Roderick, someone who I know she does that with now and again. Um, Have you ever thought about doing something like that? Has that worked? It sounds really wonderful if I wasn't working 20 hours a day. So for my business, I'm on call with, I'm for most of my clients. And because I work around the world, I could be coaching at four o'clock in the morning or at 10 o'clock at night. And if my clients are in California, for them, you know, seven o'clock for them is really 10 o'clock at night for me. So the idea of going out for dinner and hosting dinners is great. I I used to go to Dory Clark's dinner. I loved it. I've been to Michael's dinners. I love it. If it's done and I'm in town, I really, really enjoy it. There's another guy, Chris Winfield, who does them also. When there is an opportunity, I'm usually coming landing from a plane and going to the dinner. And so the my business doesn't really allow for that luxury because I am so, spending so much time with my clients. Yeah, I mean the the time zone piece is so interesting because you know, even if you're a nomad, you're still dealing with people all around the world. I mean like you're you're constantly on. I'm thinking, I'm learning this as I start scheduling more 
like, um, I'm, I no longer use the word webinar, but I'm hosting these like group video chats on different topics. Um, and I just had someone reply to me, oh, that's a great time for South Africa. Thank you. And it was noon Eastern. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so interesting to think about how it might relate. You know, how do you find times where people can gather? But particularly if you're on literally, I mean, in some way or shape or form, that must be exhausting. I mean, what is your self-care then? In, in, you're, you're just talking about being an introvert and loving downtime, but you're kind of, you're such a people-related business. Like, is there, do you have a regime, a morning ritual or anything like that? Absolutely. So the thing is, um, I mentioned it earlier. So this idea of being very present. So when a client and I have a scheduled call or when I have a meeting in their office or they fly me out to meet with them, I'm co- I am on. I give 110%. The moment that is over is the moment that I do self-care. Um, I have to, and for me, self-care is reading, reading and listening to music. And so I go back, I regroup, I breathe, I do meditation, I do breath work, and then I'm on again. And most, if you think about it, you know, I don't coach um, an entrepreneur on how really to set up their business. I'm coaching CEOs at a Fortune 500 level where there's I think there's crisis like all the time. There's always something going on. I feel like I'm always on triage and it's almost like being a doctor on call. You do what you have to do while you're there with your client, your patient, and then you really have to learn to take care of yourself. So I've learned very well of how to be flexible and agile, you know, being present, but yet being there for myself too. Otherwise you fall apart and you burn out. Oh yeah. The burnout rate for someone in your position must be so high if you don't build in those kinds of, um, well, I guess if you don't know yourself, this goes back to lead from within, right? If you don't know what you need and the kind of leadership, this is where I think it's dangerous for us to only have one type of leadership in mind because then you don't see that you can be a leader who actually asks you to leave the room after dealing with a crisis. You can then do meditation, take a moment, read a book, have a cup of tea, <laughs> you know? And, and like, if you're like, oh no, that's, that's not what leaders need. And then you just like keep going from crisis to crisis to crisis. Like that would not last very long. People have to see that they need to take care of themselves. People need to know who they are and what they're able to tolerate and not tolerate and then really be good to themselves. You know, you need to be on top of your game at all times. And because my kind of clientele is always on call, it's always on call, especially in this presidency blows up policies left and right. It's just that. I want to be there 110%. So when I'm not on a call, I'm doing everything in my power to regulate myself, breathe, meditate, calm myself down, and rejuvenate myself. That's really helpful to hear. Um, what I also wanted to ask you about is, is um, this idea of, of really developing diverse networks. And it sounds like you inherently did this by moving around. And so you've kind of met people from lots of different cultures, and different communities. I think not everyone does that. Not everyone has such a thought on that. Was it purposeful? Like, were you aware early on that there would be these benefits? Like, are there benefits to having a diverse network? Like, what would you what would you say about that to someone who was like just getting started with their business and they hadn't yet done that? If everybody's listening, that was a leading question. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, um, I don't think as I don't think of Lolly. You're only in New York. I think of myself as global, a global citizen. I don't see myself as Australia's off limits for me or Europe is off limits for me or Africa's off. I, I believe that if I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve humanity. 
And that has always been my message. And so this idea that I can't, I can only work in New York or the United States. I wouldn't have a business today because nobody was listening to me. So I got on a plane and found a client that was like, wow, I love this. And and then I spent some time there. The idea is to learn as much as you can about others so then you could help more people. And I found that even though there's similarities throughout the world, there's still different cultures. And this idea of learning from others made me a better coach, made me a better person. And so was it intentional? No. Was it my curiosity from an early age? Yes. And so that's something about myself. Even though I'm an introvert, I'm curious about everything and everyone. And I love listening to people's stories and what they have to say. I'm a great listener, by the way. So if you want to unload, I'm the person to talk. <laughs> so this idea of, is it good for you? I think the more you can learn about others, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So my next book, now I'm going to tell you why I'm asking this question. Just pull back the curtain. My next book is uh, called, uh, I haven't shared the title on this show yet, uh, One-to-One Innovation, Healthy Disruption, through diverse connections. That's a mouthful, everybody. Yeah. One-to-one innovation, colon. Okay. One-to-one innovation, healthy disruption through diverse connections. Okay. So it's the idea of, uh, you know, building diverse networks. What does that look like? What are the benefits? What's, what is behind that? Sort of, you know, like you said, you know, the curiosity, the storytelling, the commonality, learning about other people's humanity, like seeing that in other people, what you struggle with within. And then how do you go about it if you are not a nomad who travels the world as a global citizen? You know, what are some people that are already doing that? Some great stories. And a lot of the people come on my show have shared some really fantastic stories of the way they've gone about it um, somewhat consciously. And that, that you don't always have to be doing it yourself. Kind of like what you said earlier, you could get off a plane and join a dinner that someone else is hosting. You don't always have to be the host. Um, but when, but it's sort of knowing like, oh, that's a great opportunity. I shouldn't turn it down just because I'll be the only something in the room. That's the fear. That's really hard for an introvert to say, I'm going to go join that dinner party. So for the introverts that are out there, think about it as this is not meeting someone new, but this is some learning something. When you learn something, it doesn't poke at you or trigger you as much as it's, oh my God, this is a new person. But if this is a new skill and this is something you could learn something new about someone, I think it's much easier for an introvert to take. That's a good reframing. See, it's so helpful for me to hear that. So if we're getting a chance to reconnect a year from now and you're telling me all the fantastic accomplishments you've had over the past year, what are we going to be celebrating? What a great question. Um, I want to slow down more. Um, I'm a little tired of every five days being on a plane, train, and automobile slow down. Someone said to me, you need to write another book. And it was a concept. Um, I don't know if I should talk about it here, but it's an interesting concept because I always talk about leading from within and leaving your mark. But I don't talk about the, the, uh, the, the, the like it's bookmarks. Like I always talk about where you want to go. Now I want to talk about when you've arrived, what do you do then? How do you leave that legacy? What is that legacy? And from the concepts of lead from within. Um, I was thinking of this year, I want to become a hospice nurse or a volunteer and again, service, giving back. And it has nothing to do with what I do, but yet I feel I can use my talents and what I do as a coach and listening that I could do. So a year from now, I want to serve more on a, in a different way, more so than just in my business and touch people's lives and make an impact in people's lives. So maybe a book, 
maybe hospice, maybe who knows? You know what? I don't, I leave, I leave things open. Yeah. You, you both have drive and you're not going to so tightly define it that you miss an opportunity that comes along, right? You have to have a direction, but also when somebody's like, Hey, how about this? You have to have almost like a, something that you could just measure all opportunities against almost like a little checklist of some kind or screen. Right. And you're like, yes, this is a great fit. I I would never have thought about it for myself. This hospice piece is really interesting. Clearly it's another way to have an outlet of, of, of almost balance. Maybe most people wouldn't realize that, but if you're in these intense situations all the time, the, the idea of being able to sort of offer hospice care to someone at the end of their life, like what a beautiful way to sort of, I don't know, ground yourself in what's actually important, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like when the world's on fire and the people are people and that, and it sounds like you're so, you're so motivated by humanity. I love, I love your story for that. So um, where can people find you and follow your work, Lally? So they can find me on my website at lollydaskell.com. And I write an article a day. So you can find me on Inc. You can find me on my blog. And I'm on Twitter. I love to hear from people. So if you have anything to say, anything to ask, and also pick up that book, pick up The Leadership Gap, only because it really helps you get to the who we need to be. Because there are many things that get between who we are and who we want to become. And I think it's a very important place to start if you're interested in leadership. Well, we'll have all the links in the show notes, everyone. So you can check it out at onthechmoose.com. Thank you so much, Lali. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lali. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something to put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at onthechmooze.com. Look for episode 87 which is also where you're going to find all the links from today's episode. And don't forget to check out all my free masterclasses. If you've been considering hosting a podcast or writing a book, you'll find them all at robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass. If you enjoyed this episode with Lolly, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at iTunes. .ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talents professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.